Welcome to Write Your Book in a Flash with Dan Janelle, the only podcast where you'll learn how successful people just like you have grown their businesses, expanded their influence, and made more money by writing a book. On each episode, you'll learn the inside secrets to help you create a book that can serve as a powerful marketing tool to skyrocket your business. I'm your host, Dan Janelle. I help thought leaders, business executives, and entrepreneurs write their books. To find out more, go to writeyourbookinaflash.com. Now, let's welcome today's guest, Belinda Pollard. How are you today? I'm good, thank you, Dan. Welcome, uh, hello to everybody from Brisbane, Australia. And thank, you, and thank you for joining us from uh, around the world. We have listeners from around the world as well, and I'm sure there are a lot of people who are listening saying, finally, we have someone from my own country here. So that's wonderful. <laughs> today we're going to be talking about uh, the difference between a copy editor, a proofreader, and a developmental editor, and we're going to go deep into what a developmental editor does. But first, why don't you tell folks a little bit about yourself, and then we'll dive into, t- into today's topic. Thank you, Dan. Uh, I'm an author, an accredited editor through the Institute of Professional Editors in Australia. I'm a blogger, a podcaster. I've founded the Grace Writers Support Network for Writers of Faith. And I blog writing, publishing, and self-publishing tips at my website, my main website, smallbluedog.com. I have several websites because they're like chips. It's hard to have just one. <laughs> love it. Love it. Great. So let's first uh, find out, you know, what are what is a developmental editor and how does that differ from a proofreader or a copy editor? So briefly, let's dismiss what copy editors and proofreaders do. I, mean, I don't mean dismiss. They're important. But that's not our focus. But people don't know the differences, so let's identify them. Definitely. And it's it's not just uh, people out there who are not always completely aware of what the different levels of editing are. It's also that editors might have different ways of describing what they do. And I think that's one of the things that I would mention up the top to always find out what the editor that you're dealing with is actually meaning when they refer to various terms. Uh, And also, another thing I'd say at the top is that a a common misconception that I come across is that editing is spell-checking, and editing is so much more than spell-checking. Even the um, more surface levels of editing, so we'll think about editing as a movement from the the deeper functions, which get right into the content and the structure and the themes of the work, up to those surface Uh, forms of editing and the copy editing and the proofreading are the ones that are more up to the top of that surface. They're providing the final polish, they're looking at uh, style, consistency, grammatical correctness, getting that, uh, that surface of the manuscript really nicely polished and the proofreading is the one that comes right at the end just before the book goes to publication, after it's been typeset or formatted. So it's not strictly editing, but I still include it in the list. Uh, and it's about correctness, proofreading. Uh, and it's, uh, it's, it's looking not just at, not just for typos, but for layout glitches. Things like a, a running head that's appearing on the wrong page, uh, page numbers that are missing, uh, an illustration that doesn't have the right caption on it. So those are the sorts of things that are being found in proof reading. So, but you and I, Dan, we work on more of those deeper levels of editing. And I tend to divide that into two as well. 
So there's the developmental editing and the content editing. That's what I call them. But as I've said, editors call them different things. But uh, so the developmental for me is often done quite early in the piece. Sometimes it's when the writer is just working on those early drafts and ideas and pulling it together. So there might not even be a full first draft written as yet. And it's about developing the structure and the themes and the big issues. Uh, and often that is provided as a report to the author. So the, the changes are not necessarily made in the manuscript themselves. And then what I call the content edit is, is possibly also what you might include in the developmental editing uh, topic, Dan, which is where you start working within the manuscript itself and using things like Microsoft Word's track changes, uh, looking at uh, big issues like the chapter order, uh, deletion of various sections or phrases or even whole paragraphs, uh, where there's repetition or wordiness, things that are blunting the focus, it might mean suggesting to the author. Uh, what about uh, adding a table here or a list? Uh, what about some graphics that you could include to improve the communication of your themes? So they're, they're the big, what I call big picture edits, the developmental and content editing. Some editors call content editing substantive or structural editing. This, we're, we're an interesting, interesting group, editors. We just we're we're a global group uh, divided by a common language. Almost we have so many different ways of referring to it, but I think we all talk about that big movement from the deep to the to the surface polish. Uh, I wrote a very you wrote a very interesting blog post on your website about uh, developmental editing. I want to quote. Uh, uh, something you wrote said a developmental editor helps you discover greater potential in your book and presents possible strategies for achieving that potential. Can you give us an example of how you've helped one of your clients with that? Sure. One of my one of my clients from a few years ago, he was actually writing. Now his was an interesting situation because it was a, a business book for him, but also a heart book. And he was a he was a medical specialist, and he was looking at he had been he was a medical specialist with faith, and he was he was dealing with that difficult topic uh, for people of faith, where what is the role of faith in the medical results? And so, as a young medical person, he had thought that it was just the doctor's job these days that those kind of miraculous things didn't happen in the current time. And so he'd gone around and interviewed a whole bunch of other medical people to find out what their point of view was on this issue. So you can see how it's a, it's a fascinating book, that one, for him. But um, he, we looked at the structure of it and it had given that because he'd chosen this one particular thing that was quite spectacular and unexpected, it was really, could only be called a miracle, this, this thing that had happened, he had used that to start the book. But what it did was set up the idea that it was going to be a book of miracles. And it most certainly wasn't, because there were all the times the miracle didn't happen, even though there, there might have been faith involved in this medical process. So uh, we worked on it together, and we actually came up with it as shifting the focus 
where it had been about all these, almost like an episodic story of all these different interviews, it actually became his story of his processing of this information. And so we changed the order of all the interviews that he did. And we went right back to something amazing that happened to him when he was just a young doctor that through his whole understanding of what he was doing out the window and made him reconsider. So uh, it was quite exciting. And that book's gone on to be a bit of a niche bestseller and it's, uh, it's been translated into other languages. So I look back at that one and I think, oh, I'm so excited that that happened. <laughs> And uh, really, and he's gone on to other, write other books with a similar type of, from the point of view of this is me and I'm encountering these things and this is how I'm processing them. So that's been quite an interesting one for me. Excellent. I think that goes to show that everyone needs a coach uh, to help them see what they don't see or to help organize things that may not be clear to them or... The, or things that may not be clear to the rest of the world that you may think are clear to you. So it's nice having that extra set of eyes. How would someone go about finding a developmental editor? Oh, my goodness. That's an interesting question, isn't it? I think um, LinkedIn and Google are your friends here. Uh, that's um, I've certainly had um, people find me through LinkedIn, which I've found very good and I think particularly for us as business people and for your listeners as business people that's often where they're going to be able to find an editor who has that business angle mm -hmm. because uh, we are uh, editors are promoting ourselves in a in a bunch of different places but if we're promoting on LinkedIn then we do have that business acumen and that an understanding of where you're coming from as a business owner mm -hmm. What kinds of questions or what should someone be looking for in a higher developmental editor? I would think that, Dan, with a developmental editor, you do need quite a strong connection at that deeper level. Uh, I think you're, you need someone who really gets you, who gets what you're doing, who understands what you're trying to achieve for your business through the writing of this book but also you as a person. So it really is important, like this is even more important, as you, as you move up to the more surface levels of editing, uh, it's, it's less crucial. But I think when you're working on your big themes, your big concepts, your structure, what is in and what is out of the book, how the book is going to uh, move forward your deeper on underlying goals because that's why we we create our businesses isn't it it's not just to make money you would be crazy if you <laughs> created particularly a small business just to make money because how many of us are still doing the accounts at one o'clock in the morning and all the rest of it you do it because you have a passion and a purpose and you need a developmental editor who can really lock on and connect with your passion and your purpose, whatever that is. So I would recommend approaching perhaps two or three after you've had a bit of a look, see, um, find them on LinkedIn perhaps, look at their website, are they blogging, what are they talking about? Do you feel a connection with the personality and goals and themes of that particular editor? And that's because they're going to be, um, they're going to be your champion, your running mate, almost, for the process of producing this book. Would you agree? 
Exactly. I think that's a really good idea. Uh, and sometimes you can tell right away. It's sort of like I tell people it's like buying a pair of shoes. Uh, if they don't fit at the store, they're not going to feel any better two weeks no. later, and you're going to regret <laughs> that you ever got into, that you bought them in the first place. And I think developmental editors interview clients and authors as much as the author interviews the developmental editor to make sure that there's that a good so fit, true. that they get along with the people, that they understand each other's boundaries, that they respect each other's processes, and uh, that they have a, a good working style and a good flow. Um, what would you suggest are the best ways for some for an author to work with a developmental editor as they get started? I was thinking back over a couple of the the business owner clients that I've had in the last year or so and thinking about the different ways that I've worked with them. And I find that there's a different focus for certain business owner writers. So some are, for some, the writing itself is important and close to their heart. It's virtually an art form for them. So it's something that will support their business, but they also uh, feel a strong connection to writing. The other type of editor is more interested in perhaps the mechanics of the writing in terms of how it's going to convey their message. So the book is primarily about supporting the business uh, and the content in that situation matters more than the form. Uh, so we've got this kind of, and I've, I've had two like this, and one of them has written, uh, we wrote, we worked on a business book together, and then we actually worked on her memoir together. And it's an inspirational memoir. She's a person who's a very high achiever but has been through some difficult times. And she is an artist with words. And she wants, so we got really stuck in, we did some coaching, we did developmental work, we got in very deep on that. And she was very keen to spend time and money on growing as a writer and as an artist with words. The other client, for him, it was more about working hard on the content, which was his business message and his business themes, but then enlisting others. To, uh, to polish the form of that content. So for him, it was more important for him to spend time building his business skill and his money on getting the editorial help. And I'm sure that, Dan, you will find the same thing. You'll have some clients where you work with them in developing and some that you ghostwrite for. And so you, uh, you have there's this different stream of people uh, and both of those forms are completely valid. Oh. And both exciting to oh, work with. Yeah, totally. I'm working with one uh, one gentleman now who's a former football player, professional football player, and I'm basically interviewing him. So tell me, you know, he has his structure, he has, has ideas, uh, which are perfectly fine, uh, but he needs the stories around them. So I say, well, tell me a time when this happened to you. And then he'll just talk about that. We'll record it, transcribe it. I send it back to him. He cleans it up. But I'm jogging his memory uh, but he's still writing the book, and that's a lot of fun. Uh, I have another client who is, he, he's a professional speaker, he knows how to write, he knows how to tell a good story. He just needs to have someone come in and say, okay, you've made this point five times over, let's pick the best story. 
Uh, um, and let's reduce the. Let's get. Let's pick the best one and expand it. Exactly. Go Exa- deeper on it. Exactly. Yes. You know, uh, I asked you the first question from one side. How can an author work better with a developmental editor? Let's flip that over. As a developmental editor, what things would you put in place to have a good relationship with an author? I spend, particularly with my deeper editing, because I do, I and I have a team as well, uh, Dan, as you're possibly aware, that come in and help me too on the different uh, levels of editing. So I work with people right through from the first idea to the finished book in the hand with all those different phases. Um, but when I'm working on the developmental side of things, I want to be sure that I will have a deep connection with the person and I do, uh, I do decline uh, projects that come to me quite often. Uh, usually I will then um, help the person to find someone else who's going to be a better fit. But on that developmental stuff, I want us to have quite a strong connection and an understanding uh, and an ability to appreciate each other, to bounce off each other. We'll often be, uh, we might be doing some Zoom calls. Most of my clients, most of my clients uh, currently are in Australia, but they're not in my city. So we, we, uh, we connect on Zoom, we talk, we discuss, work it through. Uh, I will be hoping to get some of that um, further information from them. I'll be looking for someone who has that ability to understand what I'm asking for and to appreciate why I'm asking for it and to see the possibilities. I want to be, I, I think as developmental editors, Dan, we're possibility seers. Would you agree? So we're, we're looking to see what a manuscript could become. And I, I need clients who can, once I've explained the vision, can see what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Well put. Yes, I do agree. Uh, I think one of my skills as a developmental editor and being a former newspaper reporter and editor, I can see where people bury their stories and bury their leads, as we said in the newspaper business, where they would have a... a I'm from a newspaper background, too, so <laughs> okay. that's interesting. Yeah. yeah, you read Chapter 3 and there's this wonderful story and say, that's your signature story. What is it doing here? Let's make it... <laughs> let's bring it up. Or you told a story that you made a point, but it really didn't make the point you thought it would make. But it makes a good it's point. It just theme, makes a different it? point. It's about <laughs> discovering and strengthening those themes and really uh, almost purifying the theme and getting the dross out of the mm-hmm. way that is, that is uh, often, often there's like more and more words being added in and what they're doing is crowding the theme. They're just obscuring and concealing the theme behind this whole gang of words. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we need to help uh, purify that and strengthen that. Exactly. And sometimes when I talk to my clients and we're just chatting and they mention something, I said, that's fascinating. Why isn't that in the book? It's like, oh, really? (laughs) Everyone needs a coach. Belinda, this has been a wonderful conversation. Uh, Tell us, who is your perfect client and how can they get in touch with you? Well, my perfect client probably, I mean, I work on quite a number of different things. Uh, I do work with business owners. I also work on fiction. Uh, and memoir, inspirational memoir. My ideal client is, uh, at the moment I'm doing mostly editing work with Australian authors currently, but I also uh, have some books. I have a book and a course that could be useful for your people. 
uh, I have a, a self-editing for writers. Now, this is not a replacement for working with an editor. This is what we do to, to really deepen that manuscript before we get to the editor. So that's a self-editing for writers course. And I also have a book called, uh, I've got to remind myself what my book is called, Using the Power of Feedback to Write a Better Book. And I think those are two things that could be quite useful for your listeners. Well, thank you. And how can people get in touch with you? What is your website? The best one to go to, as I said, I have several, is smallbluedog.com. Great. Thank you for being with us today, Belinda. Thank you, Dan. It's been wonderful to join you. Thank you for listening to the Write Your Book in a Flash podcast with Dan Janelle the only podcast that shows you exactly how people just like you have built their businesses by writing a book. If you'd like to write your book but don't know where to start, you can find great information at writeyourbookinaflash.com. If you're ready to take your next step to write the book that can transform your business, I invite you to schedule a free, no-obligation consulting call with me by going to writeyourbookinaflash.com. We'll be back next week with another insightful interview to help you become a top business leader.